Well, everybody, welcome to episode 42 of the Abstract Sports Podcast, where we're bringing sports back to life with a unique perspective on the game from abstract yet popular angles. We're coming at you live on Facebook, as always. Uh, Please share this broadcast with your friends and family. And if you're watching this on, on YouTube, make sure you smash that like button, subscribe to the channel so you can get notified when we uh, put out a new episode every week. Uh, we do the show every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, 9 o'clock Eastern. Unless I get really sick with the flu like I did this year, then I'll, um, you'll probably miss a couple of weeks of my voice, which is probably good for you and good for me in that case. <laughs> um, but I think I'm ready to go uh, Whoever's in here, spam some emojis, and let's get this party started. And where's my intro? There it is. All right. So I have some ideas for the podcast. I want to talk to you guys about them real fast while I have you in the episode live and 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 talking I'm talking to you guys and whatnot but if you're not watching live on Facebook right now I have a little bit of a different setup where I actually have I have the blinds open behind me so you can see the buildings that are in downtown Idaho Falls it the the angle makes it look like I'm in a skyscraper because you see a building and then you see some sky above it <laughs> but I promise you I'm I'm not in a skyscraper I'm in like a maybe a two or three story building. <laughs> so it looks bigger than it is. And I think that's the important thing. What I really need to do is get a green screen. And we actually have one in the other room and I've debated doing my show from in there with my laptop or something so that I can utilize the green screen or just invest in a green screen and put it behind me. Then I can uh, put whatever background I want behind me. It could be literally anything. It could be on a beach. It could be at a basketball court. Um, the thing is that like, Obviously, the desk here would get would still be in the shot. So anything that's green, I could put whatever I wanted there. Could be interesting stuff. But um, one idea I did have was with the window open, it kind of is like its own marketing strategy because people walking by, you know, it's not like there's a, a lot of pedestrian traffic downtown Idaho Falls on a Wednesday night, especially in the beginning of March. But People walk by, they see the lights on in here, they see me talking into a microphone, they think that I am legit, and you know, the money I put into the the setup and the gifts that I've got to help put this setup together um, really does help me look legit and sound legit when I'm when you hear me over the, the internet waves. And so people looking in here think like, dang, what's going on up there? So if I could have like an on-air, you know, like the classic on-air a uh, box that shows somebody's recording so you don't go in the room, something like that. Have that pointing outside so people are like, ooh, what is that? But if I could have like my, like the Facebook extension or like, you know, at Abstract Sports, people will go look for it and find the show and maybe tune in for the next one. So um, that, you know, that's one thing. My employer probably wouldn't care. My boss probably wouldn't care if I did that as long as I'm doing it in a tasteful way. Um, as long as I'm not bringing in a bunch of strangers into my office and into my studio so that he, that way he doesn't have to worry about, um, people getting on our computers and stuff. (laughs) Um, but I, I do think that just letting people know that I'm here, this thing exists, um, will, will go a long way. So that's why if you are watching right now, 
please feel free to share this broadcast to your personal Facebook timeline, share it on Twitter, wherever you, you think people will find it and want to watch. Um, the more people we can get in here, the more successful it will be and the more fun it will be because we can get conversations going in the comments. I've had that happen a couple times when Micah was helping me out a, a few months ago and it was really cool because we were like, we were getting distracted by the comments, uh, but we looked at it and we noticed that people were just talking in there and we were like, okay, then we don't, we can let you have your conversation and we'll keep going. It was really cool. So please feel free to share this to your timeline. Uh, if not, I, it's also fine. I'm just glad you're here and listening. Um, and hopefully I'm giving you some good information. So I think we're going to dive right into some NFL free agency talk. There's been a lot going on, but before we dive into it, let me hit this real quick. Yeah. Free agency has officially begun. I think as of today, today's the day of free agency, uh, but there have been talks and deals going down all over the place. And I'm just going to start rattling these off because there's a ton of them. Um, the big one, the first one I do want to say before we dive into that is, I don't know if anybody else saw this, but they released pictures of Tom Brady's hand, the cut that he has had on his hand before the Super Bowl. My gosh, it is gruesome. That thing is like, you know, a quarter of an inch deep and like an inch and a half long is like right along, you know, where the bandage was. Obviously everybody saw the bandage. The cameras were on it all night, but the bandage was, you know, right along the inside of his thumb, like on his palm of his throwing hand. I could see how that, that would affect him. Um, it didn't seem to affect him that much, but that cut was nasty playing with something like that. It's probably a good thing he had it stitched up, but they had to do something to keep the pain down, especially if it happened like, you know, that that close to the Super Bowl. But the pain on that thing probably was not good. But I know for sure that being the competitor that he is, Tom Brady was not worried one bit about his hand. If his thumb fell off, he would still have played in that Super Bowl. <laughs> That's just kind of how competitors are. Um, obviously, Tom uh, or Bill Belichick would not, let that fly. But that's, that's my theory. I think Tom Brady would be like, no, no dad, I'm going in. <laughs> um, so my phone has been going off the last couple of weeks because of, or I guess the last week or so, because of all these discussions and talks about free agency in the NFL. Uh, the, there's, I think there's no question that the NFL, there's way more money in the NFL than there is in the NBA. The NBA is catching up. Um, but the amount of money that they pay their quarterbacks is mind-blowing. I mean, some NBA players do get paid a lot. I, I guess I, I should have looked at the numbers. I didn't expect to get into that kind of conversation. The numbers are probably closer than I think. But um, with free agency of the NFL going on, there you all the radio stations, all the podcasts, all the blogs and everything can't help but talk about it because the moves that are being made right now in the offseason – are going to affect the futures of these teams. And I think that's obvious. You know, when when you go through a, through a season, you find out where your problem points are, you cut out the cancers, and you grow new skin. And that's that's just kind of, I mean, that's a weird analogy to use in that situation. But um, that's kind of what happens. I mean, it's not – I'm not saying, like, these players that, that are getting removed are actually cancerous and bad for the team, but um, they're making moves to help the team succeed – 
Um, whether there's going to be compromises on one side or the other, uh, it's it's just like any other thing, you know. If a player decides to leave a team and go to another, that's his own damn choice. He can do what he wants. It's his career. If if he can get money over there and have a starting position, if he can get what he wants, why wouldn't he do that? Um, and so the same thing goes for NFL owners and GMs who are moving these players around, changing up the identity of their their team so drastically. Um, they're doing it because they can. It's it's what their job is. Their job is to win Super Bowls. And they're constantly looking at the missing pieces that their team um, needs, and they will try to find a way to get somebody in that spot to fill the void. So that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Um, oh, man, my my page is blowing up a little bit, and that that's totally fine. I love seeing the notifications flow in. <laughs> uh, shout out to Jan for liking the page. I appreciate that. Um, but free agency has begun. The big one that... You know, there's there were a lot of talks around like who's going to go where and why, uh, but the one the first one that was really big that came out uh, that kind of shook the world a little bit was Richard Sherman being released by the Seahawks, and I know that being where I'm from here in Idaho Falls and you know just in the general uh, Pacific Northwest kind of, you know Idaho Falls is a, a bit inland, but um, a lot of the people I know. And people they know are Seahawks fans because that's pretty much the closest team besides the Broncos. Around here, you get a lot of Broncos fans, you get a lot of Seahawks fans, um, but what's crazy is you also get a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I don't really know why that is. That's just an anomaly. That's weird. But I know a lot of Steelers fans in the Idaho Falls area. Um, But that's besides the point. The point is that Richard Sherman being released by the Seahawks and going to the 49ers, like those Seahawks fans are probably like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like (laughs) they're probably freaking out. Uh, But let's look at some things here. Richard Sherman. Uh, After he got released by the Seahawks, he put a tweet out that said something along the lines of, uh, people out here thinking that I'm washed up. And he showed his numbers uh, dating back to 2011, which was I thought was interesting, showing his stats over the course of seven years. Um, it, I mean, it, that doesn't really help his case. If he had talked about the last couple of seasons to show, like, look, I'm on par with the rest of the league. Why are you releasing me? That makes more sense to me. Uh, but let's see. He's been in the league since, I mean, the last – Two years, he's had six interceptions. That's it. Uh, Four in 2016, two in 2017. Uh, But we do have to remember he got injured late in the late in the season with a season-ending injury. Something you never want to see ever. I mean, any sports team, any player ever, just go out with a season-ending injury or any injury for that matter. Um, But a player of the caliber of Richard Sherman that like really affects that team because he's the leader of their defense. And, you know, that means like half of their half of the time their team is on the field, they're missing a an integral piece that makes them work well. So unfortunate for them. But if you look at his career, I'm going to pull up uh, wiki wiki. There we go. Wikipedia. He's been in the league since 2011. So that's why he was talking about his stats. I think he was just showing on a season to season basis how he was doing. Uh, but, I mean, this guy is a Super Bowl champion in Super Bowl 30, 40, 48? 48? 
Yeah, that's 48. Man, Roman numerals are kind of difficult. <laughs> Super Bowl champion in Super Bowl 48. Four-time Pro Bowler from 2013 to 2016. Three-time first-team first All-Pro 2012 to 2014. Second-team All-Pro 2015. And NFL Interceptions Leader in 2013. You know, 2013 was four years ago, man, five years ago. Um, his uh, career NFL statistics as of Week 17 in 2017, uh, he's had 32 interceptions throughout his career. So, you know, 32 divided by 7. He's got about four point something interceptions a year. And last year only putting up two before he got injured. You know, maybe that's kind of on par for him. Um, I just think that seven years into the league or into his career, maybe the Seahawks got a little bit iffy about him returning. I, I don't know why they would. I don't know why they, they what their reasoning was for getting rid of him. Um, I would love to hear what they had to say. Um, but it was all love. It was all in good intentions. And so he left. Uh, but he signed a deal with the 49ers. Here's what gets me. The 49ers are like the Seahawks' main rival. Um, I mean, there's one moment that sticks out in my mind where uh, Richard Sherman was smack-talking Michael Crabtree after a game, after shutting him down or something like that. He's like, don't you ever mention my name again, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he just went off, and now he's playing for that team. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that was more of a personal, uh, like an in-game competition between him and Crabtree. It wasn't so much against the 49ers. It was more him and Crabtree than it was a team thing. Um, let's see. Alice on Facebook is saying, Jif- uh, oh, Jordy Nelson released by Green Bay. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I have him on my list of things to talk about. I thought that one was also really crazy. Um, Jordy Nelson has been really productive for them ever since he's been there. I mean, I, I don't know his, his career and where he's been and where he, you know, all that stuff, but he's been extremely productive and, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a heartfelt message for him uh, that he put out on Instagram or Twitter or something. And he's just like, I don't know where to start. Like Jordy has been like my guy and now he's gone. Um, but not only did they release Jordy Nelson, they did pick up Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham is, Man, he's an interesting pickup, you know what I mean? Because when he came in the league playing for the Saints, he was freaking dominant with Drew Brees. Goes to the Seahawks, and they used him primarily as a blocker, not so much a catcher, which is ridiculous because if you look at his numbers, he is a touchdown scoring machine. He's like Gronk 2.0 or 3.0, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But he's like a Gronk in, in the way that he dominates that position. Seahawks didn't really use him well, and so now he's he's playing for the Packers. I mean, he's got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. I've seen people out there saying, hell, Aaron, just throw Hail Marys every, every single play because Jimmy Graham is a big dude, played basketball and all that. He's going to go up and catch a ball. So um, that's going to be kind of interesting to watch this year. Um, but, yeah, that some big big changes there for the Packers who are a offensive-heavy team. Um, you know, guys who catch balls from Aaron Rodgers, one guy getting shipped out, new one being brought in. So obviously a change in the chemistry, um, but Aaron Rodgers seems like one of the easiest going dudes, and I, I think Jimmy Graham is going to do really well there. Um, I have nothing wrong with, nothing against any of those guys, but Jimmy Graham, I, I feel like this, Seattle was not a good stop for him. Uh, 
so Richard Sherman going to the Niners, rivals, uh, had sort of a thing against Michael Crabtree, but now he's playing for the 49ers. That'll be something to look out for. One game you want to watch is going to be Richard Sherman playing his former team for the first time in Seattle or something like that. <coughs> Excuse me. My my throat's starting to dry out already, and it's only the I've only talked about two players in free agency. <clears throat> Alice on Facebook says, I think Jordy Nelson has spent his whole career with Green Bay. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. I don't remember him being on any other team. And then Will, Will on Facebook says, uh, hey, man, it's nice to see you, by the way. Uh, nice to have you here. Uh, he says, yeah, he's been productive but has aged and has been injured. I feel Green Bay did the right choice releasing him. Hopefully they find a good player to fill his spot. Yeah, that's true. Jordy has been he has been on, on and off the field quite a bit. And that's, you know, you want a player who can be consistently on the field. You don't want a player who's made of glass, gets hurt all the time. That's something that, you know, teams are going to look at. They're going to want to put somebody in there who's never had that issue. Um, honestly, I think the Packers would do really well with like a a slot receiver, kind of like a Wes Welker or a, a something like that. Because I think Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have some similar skill sets. Um, where they can they can play the long game when they need to, but they can also do a short game really well with like sh- you know little short in and out passes, um, some short posts, short crosses and stuff. I would love to see like a slot receiver where they can be fast uh, in the passing game too. Um, but I mean, obviously, free agency is just getting started. I think they're going to pick somebody up, pick a pick a good person up. Jimmy Graham is going to fill a different kind of void for the Packers. I don't know how that's going to go, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the Packers and the Niners actually, and, and the Seahawks to see how they deal with all these changes, but they're not even the teams that are making the biggest and most crazy changes, you know? (laughs) Um, I mean like the Titans, man, the Titans are making some moves and it's kind of unexpected. I mean, they didn't, they needed some, some things, but they had a lot of good pieces. You know, they have uh, Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray, and they've, you know, obviously they have Mariota, two, two uh, Heisman Trophy winners, but we know how little that means in the NFL. Um, like Reggie Bush, come on, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, biggest bush, bust ever. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, Alice, that was a Lions dig. Kind of. <clears throat> but. The Titans. People are calling them the Tennessee Patriots. And I've seen logos of them smashing the the Patriots logo of the you know the guy's head with the Titans uh like star patch thing. Like they have similar shapes. I thought it was really clever. Uh <laughs> but the Titans picked up <laughs> Sorry, Alice is saying books. I'm making, I'm, I'm taking, taking jabs at Reggie Bush, but uh, Malcolm Butler, you know the guy who sealed the deal on Super Bowl 48, or no, what was it, 49, for the for the Patriots a couple of years, a few years ago, uh, sealed the deal with that interception where they threw the ball on the one yard line instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch. We all know the play I'm talking about. Um, Malcolm Butler is now on the Tennessee Titans, and he's going to be playing on a defense that's already been pretty good, um, at least in you know on the line and in the linebacker area. But Malcolm Butler, man, 
that's going to be a good pickup for them. I think he's going to help them in a big way. Um, Alice on Facebook says, I get it. Not a, not a Reggie, not a Reggie Bush fan. No, that's all right. I, I have nothing against Reggie Bush. I just have to, I have to make the point that Heisman trophy, Heisman trophies do not translate to NFL success. I mean, it's just, it's proved itself. It's proven itself time and time again. I just got to make sure that I'm saying that because I'm mentioning Heisman trophy players, winners on the same team. So nothing against Reggie, Reggie Bush personally or or with what he does any of that i'm good with him uh so the pay or the patriots i tried you know, calling them the patriots tennessee patriots the titans also picked up uh deon lewis who is a running back for the titan or the patriots my gosh getting the names all mixed up <laughs> um so you got two guys coming in from new england uh, you know, New England, that place where they pretty much have a winning atmosphere year in and year out ever since Tom Brady got there, pretty much. Um, so two guys who are bringing like this sort of winning mentality to a team that needs it, you know, a team of developing guys like young guys like Derrick Henry and and DeMarco Murray, the two core players of that offense. And then you're bringing in Deion Lewis as a good backup. And then on the defensive end, you're adding – a star, you know, the, the Malcolm Butler didn't play in the Super Bowl. I think it was because some off field activity and, uh, Bilicek said, no, you're not playing because of that. I don't remember what happened, but, um, I think it's good to have some attitude on your team. It's something the Titans have needed, you know, Mario. I mean, I love Mariota. He's, he's a very soft spoken, um, leads by example type of guy. He's a good, good human being. Malcolm Butler, on the other hand, this dude, he's emotional and the kind of emotional that like he has this attitude, like he's going to tear your head off and want to win the game for you. Uh, so I, I think that's something the Titans were missing it to some extent. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of players on the field and you don't get to see a lot of the emotion because they're wearing helmets and pads and stuff. Um, I guess their, their lineman Luan, that guy, he's pretty emotional, but having a guy like Malcolm Butler to be another leader on that defense is going to help them out in a big way. So looking forward to the Titans as well. Um, we already talked about Packers, uh, the chiefs picked up Sammy Watkins and you know how, what kind of year they had, um, you know, with Kareem hunt going crazy. Um, now they picked up Sammy Watkins to make their offense even more diverse. Uh, that I'm just going to start rattling through these. We've been talking about NFL already for a while and that's, that's fine, but there's a, a certain team we want to talk about more later. Um, let's see. Car, uh, Cardinals signed Sam Bradford from the Vikings. This is where things get a little bit thick because the Vikings, like they're they're calling it the quarterback exodus. They like they got rid of every single one of their quarterbacks, man. <laughs> it's true. Case Keenum was the guy who took took the Vikings all the way to thirteen and three last year. Had the crazy uh, touchdown to beat the Saints in the playoffs to Stephon Diggs. Um, they had a really good team and now case Keenum is going to, Oh, where did he go? I have a note here. He went to the Broncos. I don't know if he was a part of the deal for Trevor Simeon, but Simeon's going to the Vikings as a backup to some guy named Kirk cousins. And not only is Kirk cousins going to the Vikings, but Sam Bradford left to go to the Cardinals which I saw a funny meme about. 
Uh, I saw a meme, NFL memes on Facebook. They shared a video of an ambulance going down the street, and it was like live footage of Sam Bradford coming to Arizona. <laughs> and I thought that was funny because Sam Bradford is also one of those players who's always injured. <clears throat> but he can he can be good. He can be good. Uh, but not only is Sam Bradford and Case Keenum gone, but Teddy Bridgewater also went to the Jets. And so they they got rid of all their quarterbacks that I can think of. They're bringing in a guy named Kirk Cousins. Um, and I've been listening, like I've said in the last few episodes, I've been listening to a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of ESPN radio on my way into work, out of work when I'm driving around town and stuff. I've been forcing Keltron to listen to it. Um, keeps me kind of subconsciously informed of the things going on in the sports world that I don't usually get to see because I don't have cable television. They cover a lot of the main topics there. So, and you get a lot of different personalities, which I appreciate different from TV, which makes me wonder why I do a live broadcast when I really should just be doing audio. (laughs) I have a face for radio. Um, that's right. I'll be the first to say it. I'll admit that. But I'm being serious though, like Stephen A on his radio show, like every, so on my lunch hour, I go over to my brother's house, just a few blocks away, take care of his new puppy. And I listen, like at that time of the day, it's Stephen A taking questions from fans and stuff. And fans were trying to defend Kirk Cousins. Like he's proven that he can play. And Stephen A just keeps going off. Like his argument is that, uh, the Vikings are paying him this huge amount of money for a guy who has never won a playoff game. And uh, Alice on Facebook says, and Dominican Sue got cut as well. That's right. The Dolphins got rid of him. And uh, I think there was one team that passed up on him. I don't remember who it was, but they, I think it was the Cowboys. They're like, no, nah, we don't want you. <laughs> we already have enough controversy um, with Zeke Elliott and other things going on. So, uh <clears throat> But yeah, Stephen A is just like, why are you pay a guy so much money who's never won a playoff game? And he's, you know, he has a point. But you know, I was, you know, I listened to this other show. Alice says Stephen A drives her crazy. No, he he kind of drives me crazy too because he'll he's one of those guys that will deflect an argument to talk about other things. So he's sort of like a politician, uh, but he's in sports instead. <laughs> Like a fan will call him with a question and he'll just like go off about this other thing that they weren't even talking about. And it's like, no, 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 come on back here. Let's talk about this thing that I mentioned. I called in, you took my call. Now answer my question. Don't like divert. Uh, (laughs) But another show I listened to in the afternoons, um, I think it's Spain and Fitz is what it's called. That's the two people who run it. Um, And one of the guy on there was saying that he uh, Stephen A couldn't be more wrong. Like, paying too much for a guy who's never won a playoff game, all this stuff. Um, and the guy was comparing comparing this issue to, like, musicians. You know, if you have a musician who, uh, you know, just because they haven't won a Grammy doesn't mean that that musician is crap. Or, like, this drummer, uh, just because they didn't win this award or <clears throat> something like that doesn't mean they're not good at what they do. And I think Kirk Cousins has put together a good body of work to make a decent amount of money. I think he is getting overpaid, but I just think that that's because the NFL is making more and more money and they're able to pay their players more. 
And I think when you pay a player that much, there's a, a lot of incentive that comes with that. Like, look, okay, we'll give you this contract, but we want to, we want you to perform. We want you to do these types of things with the guys, be a leader, be vocal, lead by example. You know, we want you to be good for our franchise. And I think Kirk Cousins is driven and um, he has that, how do you like that attitude? I mean, that one clip, man, is too good where he's running at, into the locker room after a, a, a close win. And he's like, how do you like that? Uh that kind of stuff is good to have in your locker room. A guy's a guy that's going to fire you up before, after, and during games, especially as a quarterback. That's a guy you want to have who you would like to have that kind of mentality. So, yeah, Vikings have a quarterback exodus, signed Kirk Cousins. I don't remember the numbers. I don't like to get into, like, how much people are making uh, because it's kind of depressing. <laughs> um but I, th- I thought it was pr- pretty cool to see another ESPN radio show go off on Stephen A and talk about how like they couldn't he couldn't be more wrong. Um, the thing that get I don't understand. I mean, I think Case Keenum wanted to leave the Vikings, which I th- I thought was interesting. But they already had something great going. Now they have to kind of shift their identity to have this new quarterback. It's like the quarterback position. There's so much weight on their shoulders in terms of leadership on a team. They're out there calling the plays. They're communicating with the players all the time. Um, and to have that kind of shift is crazy to me. But I think that all the other offensive weapons that they have um, are still going to make them a viable team this coming playoffs. And Spain and Fitz, they were saying that the changes they're making with how well they did last year, this is like a Super Bowl or bust type of situation for this team. And I don't know if Kirk Cousins is on a one-year deal or not, but he's been doing that the last few years and just getting franchise tag after franchise tag. So... It'll be interesting to watch the Vikings next year. Um, I know I have a, a friend, a video game streamer, he goes by Cloverhook. You can find him on Twitter or on Twitch. Uh, plays a bunch of different video games. He's a big Vikings fan. So um, I'm rooting for him, man. If you're listening, uh, I want to let you know I'm rooting for the Vikings. Um, I used to follow them growing up when they had Randy Moss and Chris Carter and uh, Dante Culpepper, those guys. So, <clears throat> But that's a totally different team. <laughs> But I think Kirk Cousins is a starting quarterback for a reason. You pay him well. He's he has incentive to perform well and do other things besides, you know, beyond the field. Um, but I think they're going to do really well. Uh, with that being said, Case Keenum went to the Broncos. The Vikings acquired Trevor Simeon as their backup, which I actually didn't know. I was like, you know, I was look going through all the changes in the free agency, and I was like, wait a minute. The Vikings got rid of three quarterbacks and they got one. Who's their backup? And I just saw that they they also got Trevor Simeon. So um, that'll definitely help them out as a backup, but I think Kirk Cousins is going to be just fine. Uh, Then you move on to the Browns. This is a team who's also making some moves. I mean, of all the teams that need to make moves in this offseason – I'm pretty sure that we all know it is the Cleveland Browns, okay? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Let me just pull up their roster. Like, Cleveland Browns. I don't even know anybody on their team. I I almost want to be a Browns fan so that I can say that I was a fan when they were on the bottom. So when they come back up to the top, I can be like, I've waited this long, and the wins are so much sweeter. Um, It's kind of like being a Vandal fan. Or sort of like being a Lakers fan the last few years. Um, 
They play the Warriors tonight. Looking forward to that. Um, official site of the Cleveland Browns. Wonder if they have their roster up from last year or anything like that. Team, players. Okay, where's QBs? Do a search for QB. So they have Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler, and now they have a guy named Tyrod Taylor. This guy is like an athletic, like Michael Vick type of quarterback. Um, he's had his struggles in the NFL. I think if you watch the NFL, you probably have some uh, some inkling of how that has played out for him. But he's an athletic guy who can make some plays for your team. And I, a team that needs to take risks and uh, do anything they can to get a win is the Cleveland Browns. I think Tyrod Taylor is a good fit there. Um, when, when Johnny Manziel came in the league, I – I thought the Browns were going to have a good chance of taking off a little bit. But then obviously he had his off-field issues and and his career kind of came to a grinding halt. Um, but Tyrod Taylor's there now. Uh, but not only that, they got another guy. His name's Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry was like the main playmaker for the Dolphins. The Dolphins are like, I don't know what's going on over there. They're getting rid of all their star players. They got rid of Jay Ajayi, went to the Super Bowl team in the Philadelphia Eagles. And now they're getting rid of Jarvis Landry. Like I don't even know who they're getting for these guys. Like Jarvis Landry is going to the Browns with Tyrod Taylor. The The Browns also, uh, Oh, I, I deleted that other thing. Oh, they, they got rid of Deshaun Kaiser to the Packers for a quarterback named Demarius Randall. So they're even making changes on both sides of the ball here. It's not just one side. And I think, like I was saying, out of all teams, this is a team that's got to make some, take some risks and hope they can cash out on them and be aggressive before the trade deadline next year as, as they see these players start to develop or not develop. Um, oh, you know, I just realized, you know, when it gets dark outside, you're going to be able to see the reflection into my office and you're going to see, you see like my coat can see my coat that's funny things you miss out on when you're not in a live podcast <laughs> uh, when you're on soundcloud you don't get to see all all the funny setups and stuff um but <clears throat> i think that those two key moves are big for the browns they need to put points up on the board so you've got to start with your offense first get some high power guys in there people say defense wins championships sure but when you when your defense puts the ball in your offense's hands, you've got to have guys who can execute, take the fo- the ball down the field, and score points. So, sure, in close game scenarios, defense does win championships. But for a quick turnaround, you need to have some offensive players so that when they have the ball, they can actually do something with it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the Browns can do, turn around that winless season, hopefully get make something of it, and before the trade deadline hits, maybe they can make some more moves to make their offense more powerful. Um, speaking of offense, I mean, I wonder what their running backs are. I thought they picked up a running back. Um, they have Matthew Days. They have Darius Jackson and Duke Johnson, who's a guy who's been uh, pretty promising. Pretty small dude, 5'9", 210. You've got Josh Rounds and Kelvin Taylor. Couple of that, couple of those guys I don't really know. 
I know that they did just get rid of Isaiah Crowell. I saw that in the uh, the update last night on ESPN. So, yeah, Browns. Let's see you put in some work and get some wins this year, huh? I'm excited for you. I mean, I'm wearing. I'm like. I'm wearing your color right now. I wasn't even planning that. Maybe I should be a fan. <laughs> so that's pretty much all I've got for the NFL free agency. It's kind of hard to keep up with it. I mean, I get I have NFL and ESPN sending me notifications as soon as they happen. Um, and so this is me just compiling the big ones. If you look at the full list of all the changes in the NFL that have happened over the last week, you'll see that there have been a lot of changes. Uh, just like small people, like small people. When I say that, I mean like the big guys, uh, linemen who are just getting signed for their year after year after year. Um, you don't see a lot of that. You see the star players in the headlines. And so that's kind of what I'm giving you here. But for the Browns, every change matters. <laughs> every change goes a long way. So now let's jump into some basketball. So basketball has been kind of crazy lately. We've got four teams who have officially clinched spots in the playoffs. Those teams are the Rockets, the Warriors in the West, and then you've got the Raptors and the Celtics in the East. It's trying to snow outside. It's nice. Um, The Rockets are on a tear, and the Warriors are obviously doing well. I mean, They're doing well enough that they can party hard for Steph Curry's 30th birthday and then not, and then cancel practice the next day. So hopefully they can get their feet from underneath them before playoff time. Uh, You know, that hangover from Steph Curry's party. Those are some funny videos, by the way, Steph Curry sitting on a stage, dancing, eating ribs out of somebody's hand. Uh, Clay Thompson dancing around and falling over because he'd had too much. Um, Even Steve Kerr got on stage, was dancing (laughs) it was a wild time like i wonder who gets invited to those things i really do (laughs) like somebody in the crowd has a phone and they're like it's like a concert but it's nba players and it's just for steph curry's birthday (laughs) hey maybe the lakers will get a win over them tonight because of that hangover we'll see i don't know the lakers I'd have to say, since I'm talking about it, I think last year, opening night, they beat the Warriors by like 30 points. Could have been this year. But just saying. So they don't need the the Warriors to have a hangover to beat them. Hey, you can see the snow in the stream, kind of. It's a little blurry. That's all right, though. So in the NBA... My Lakers are not going to be making the playoffs, and that's totally fine. Uh, But they have room for two spots for max deal players, and there's been a lot of talks on whether they should just, like, hold off for a year because they're actually meshing together together really well right now or if they should go for it in the offseason. But I think with LeBron being available, you kind of have to go for him. You can't just, like, sit back and hope. (laughs) Oh, yeah, uh, Will just mentioned – uh, where do you see Ty uh, Ty Matthew going? This guy, he's a honey badger. I saw the the phrase honey badger was trending on Twitter today because of him uh, moving away from the Cardinals. Um, you know what? Actually, let me pull up this link again. Oh, where did it go? 
uh, Ty Matthew. I don't know how you spell his name. Ty Tyran. Is it Tyran? Tyran. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, that's a weird spelling. Sorry, I got can't get that right. Honestly, I have no idea where he's going to go. Um, with the moves that the Titans are making, it'd be kind of crazy to see him go there. You got Matt. You got uh, Matthew and uh, and Malcolm Butler on the same defense. That would make the defense of the Titans stacked. Um, I kind of root for the Titans because my brother and a good friend are Titans fans. So just by association, I'm like rooting for them a little bit. It doesn't help that I don't have a team. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt. I mean, I imagine the Browns still have room. I could see him going there. Um, I just pulled up a link from NFL.com. Honestly, I have no I forgot that he was on that list. There's so many guys. Um, I mean, he's one of those guys that can be kind of a hothead, so he can be a little bit of a liability at times. Um, but again, kind of like Malcolm Butler, um, he can be a hothead too. It's good to have a little bit of that attitude on your team. Um, oh, no, NFL, do not give me auto-playing audio. That's the worst. Okay. So because I'm I don't know enough about Matthew and his situation and the teams that are interested, here's an article I found from NFL.com. There's a good chance you may have seen it before, but I'm just gonna use it as my resource. Um here are some I think it says uh seven potential landing spots for Tyran Matthew. The num I, I don't know if this is in order of like the top spot he could go to to the last. But the first one they mention is the New York Giants. Um, let's see. It says that uh, they, run, they were running a Bruce Arians defense when Matthew was in the 2015 Defensive Player of the Year discussion. Um, that could be helpful. Uh, then it's got New York Jets. I'm just going to kind of list these off. Oakland Raiders. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. New Orleans Saints. Green Bay Packers. And Houston Texans. And if he went to the Texans, that that would also make them an even more stacked defense than they are right now. Um, you know, they've got J.J. Watt. I'm sure he'll be coming back healthy next year. Um, man, that would be a pretty stacked defense. The Packers. Man, I honestly don't know. What do you think? I'm kind of curious. Uh, Race on Facebook says, Matthew is overrated, not productive anymore. Huh. I mean, I've, I haven't really heard his name all that much. I mean, he had uh, one or two really good years strung together, but this last year he wasn't really in many discussions. Um, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. News, stats, vids. The, this list of players recruiting Tyron Matthew is absurdly long <laughs> from CBS Sports. Um, CBS Sports has a totally different perspective than ESPN. They're saying that the Steelers are kind of looking after, looking for him. Um, the thing is that like when you when he's strung a couple seasons in a row, he was really productive. Um, my God, he was born in '92. He's two years younger than me. Um, it, you you kind of have a sort of a reference point of his potential, and if you can put him in a comfortable situation where he's happy and he can do the things that he likes to do in in the defense as a leader and productive wise i think he can do well 
Um, that's the thing is like when you see a player reach a point in their career where they've been so good and they have to change teams because they get, they get released or uh, they want to get traded because they want a new situation, you have a, a good reference point of how well they can play. Um, it's just a matter of them finding the right situation for them to utilize their skills the, the most. Um, I mean, he's been in the league since 2013, so that's five years of playing time. Um, he played the most games in his career for a season this last year. He only missed, he didn't miss any games for the first time in his career. Um, let's see. Sacks, he's averaging one sack a year, but I guess, you know, he's, he's playing safety. So you don't, you don't get many sacks in that position. Um, interceptions. Yeah. See that's that's what I'm talking about. So 2013, he had two interceptions, 2014, one then five interceptions in 2015. That's the year that I was thinking about. He had a dang good year then, and then he had one interception the next year and two this year. So, Reyes, I could I could see how you mentioned he's overrated and not, he hasn't been productive, um, especially after that one peak year where he had five interceptions. That's significantly better. But I've got to say, he's still really young man, he's still really young. I think wherever he goes, he's going to have a profound impact on that defense. Um, at this point as a veteran in the NFL. Um, yeah, I'll have to keep some tabs on that one. Um, also in that, that year we had five interceptions, he had 92 yards because probably because of the interceptions, uh, last year, he had the second most in his career with 16 yards. So it's probably just return yards. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I'm feeling. I don't know where he's going to go, but uh, I have a good, a good feeling that he's going to be productive wherever he lands. Uh, let's see. Race on Facebook says he has he has two knee injuries that have really slowed him down. Man. I feel like my knees have been injured before. That's how, how old I am. <laughs> my birthday was Monday, actually. Turned 28. And, I mean, as of lately, I can move around a lot a lot faster than maybe a, a year ago. But, man, playing basketball all these years has really messed my knees up. And when you have actual injuries to your knees and you play at the level that he plays, that could be a pretty big factor. Uh, maybe that's why he hasn't been as productive. I don't know when those happened, but see, I don't know enough about his career. I mean, I run a I run a sports podcast, but I don't know a lot about Tyron, Tyran Matthew. Probably not even saying his name right. <laughs> <coughs> Brad on Facebook says, "Wow, you are old. Yeah, I'm super duper old. Old fart over here." So that's my thoughts on Tyron Matthew. Will, I hope that uh, that gives you a little insight. Um, there's a good chance you probably saw that article already. Um, but I'm going to get back to talking about some basketball. So one thing I wanted to do was to I want to try and predict who I think is going to win the end-of-the-year awards for the NBA. So we're talking coach of the year, most improved player, sixth man of the year, rookie of the year, Defensive Player of the Year, and the MVP. 
I mean, it's pretty late in the season, so you have a little more of a full picture or a, a better way of predicting who you think is going to win. So just take that with a grain of salt. I mean, if I had made this prediction before the season started, then if I would have got one right, you know, then it could be like something that would go viral on the internet. Like, oh, this kid, this guy, he predicted that so-and-so is going to get rookie of the year. And I do have one of those for this year, but not quite like last year. I don't know if you guys know this. I feel like I've tooted this horn too many times. But last year on opening night of the NBA, so I'm talking like October 2016, game one, the Thunder played somebody. I remember who it was. They played a big-name team in the opening night of the season. First night, I predicted Russell Westbrook is going to win MVP. And I just saw in his eyes the way that he was wanting to kill people because of what happened in the offseason where Kevin Durant left. That right there told me he's going to win MVP because he's going to use that as fuel. And sure enough, he went on to win. And it was awesome to be able to brag about that. But, you know, what does that do for me? does nothing. All I can say is like, hey, I predicted that. But, you know, these things, you can kind of put two, two and two together and be like, there's a good chance. He's been good in the past. He'll be good again. He looks better this year. I'll go with that. <laughs> I'll pick him this year. And so for this year, there's a few positions, a few of these awards I have no idea. I'm going to have to talk it out with you guys. But let's get this thing going. Oh, before we do, I don't know if I played this yet. Oh, that was baseball. You know, the spelling between baseball and basketball is very close. That's why I messed up. So let's play the right one. I probably already played that, but I love playing those things. They're fun. Super fun, man. Um, So Dwayne Casey... He is the head coach of the Raptors, according to this thing I'm looking at right now. Um, I've heard that he is up for coach of the year because, just because. I mean, I just heard it on the radio. They're like, Dwayne Casey's going to get coach of the year and whatnot. Honestly, I don't know. I don't want to just say that because I've heard it. I don't want to spout that off. Um, <clears throat> so let me just pull up. NBA.com. I'm going to go look at some some teams and see if I can come up with a good coach that could win this thing. Um, standings, I guess. Sure. Because, you know, with coaching, I think you kind of have to take into account. And, you know, my answer to this question would be different from so many other people's because when I think of coaching, I try to take in all the different parts that go with managing a team of players and you're diff- every situation is different from team to team. It's not really like, you know, coach of the year, in my opinion, shouldn't be the coach that just wins the most in a season. You know, that that's like something that the MVP, like kind of like the MVP, how the, the MVP is the player who scores the most points usually and goes the furthest in the playoffs, you know? So I, I don't really believe in that. I, I think the coach that, takes his given situation and if he has probably a more difficult or more unique or maybe it's gone through the most change over the last year and then turns that team into a playoff team, that's a coach that I think deserves some recognition. 
one coach that does come to mind for me is uh, Coach Snyder of the Utah Jazz. Because this dude, you know, he went through this offseason. He lost Gordon Hayward. Um, he also lost Boris Diaw, who's a, a veteran champion from the Spurs. You know, he came to came to Utah, helped them get to the playoffs, was a big piece of the puzzle in them getting there. And then he loses him too. Um, and then there's another guy. Let's see. Yeah, Joe Johnson. They lost Joe Johnson to go to the to the Rockets. Um man. So they went through some some overturn in their offseason, <laughs> which I thought had them in a really difficult spot. Uh let's see. Joe Johnson. Okay, so he started with the Jazz this year. And he went to the Rockets before the trade deadline is what it looks like. So he, he played with them for a little bit. But all things considered, the Jazz are just outside playoff reach. You know, they're actually, if if it ended right now, the Jazz are in the playoffs. In the last episode, they were a couple of games back. Some teams lost, some teams won. Like, the Lakers beat the Jazz, or the Nuggets last night, and that's probably... That's one of the reasons why the Jazz are in the number eight seed right now. So, in my opinion, with the given situation, people did not. I didn't. I ruled the Jazz out long ago because of all the overturn they had in the offseason. But Coach Snyder has a way about getting guys together and having them be productive. And when you have a rookie in Donovan Mitchell, more more on him later, man. You're going to do more than you expect. <laughs> you know, rookies come in the league, you don't have high expectations, but Donovan Mitchell's been crushing it, man. Uh, we'll get to him in a minute. But I think Coach Snyder should get it. I don't think it should be <clears throat> Mike D'Antoni because the Rockets are number one. I don't think it should be Steve Kerr because the Warriors are number two. I don't think it should be Dwayne Casey because the Raptors are 50. The Raptors have been in the top of the East, the top four of the East the last several years. <clears throat> and Dwayne Casey's been there since 2011. So I don't think he's deserving of that. Man, all these, I don't know the coaches, the other, these other teams, the Pacers are number three. Maybe that coach deserves something because the Pacers have been up there and back. Maybe he deserves some recognition, but I'm going to go with coach Snyder. I think he deserves coach of the year, even though the jazz are just squeaking into the playoff picture. So that's my prediction for the coach. Holy crap, I'm going to be... This is a longer episode. Was not expecting it to be this long. Um, So that's coach of the year. Move on to most improved player of the year. Last year, it was Giannis Antetokounmpo. And honestly, I think it could be him again this year. Uh, You had CJ McCollum the year before, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, Paul George. Man. I think... Okay, this is Oh, this is tough. I think Giannis could be that player. <clears throat> but I'm going to go with Julius Randle for that position. Let me pull up some num- some numbers here. Julius Randle is the power forward for the Lakers. 
And this guy has been an absolute beast this year. And I don't know if I'm saying this just because I notice a drastic difference in his game because I've watched a lot of Lakers games this year. But I think it's Julius Randle. Where are his numbers at? Okay, so this is his 30... No, wait. This hasn't been updated, man. This sucks. Where's his current year? I need to see his current year. Okay, well, anyways, his first year he averaged. Oh, he didn't even play. His first year with the Lakers, he averaged 14 minutes a game. Second year in 2015-16, he played all but one game. Started 60 of them. 28 minutes played. 43% field goal percentage. 71% free throw. So he averaged a double-double. In his second year. That's pretty dang good. 13 points a game. Last year. He played 74 games. So 7 less than the year before. He averaged a little more. Minutes per game. Started almost every game he played in. Field goal percentage went up by. 60%. Or no. no, whoa, 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 whoa. That would make it 102%. That's not accurate. It went up by .06. <clears throat> so 6%. To 49. And then. Let's see. Free throw went up by about. 1%. Solid. He didn't average a double double. He had 8.6 rebounds. 3.6 assists. So he averaged more assists. A little bit less on the rebound end. um, But 13.2 points a game. Now this year. Where are his stats for this year? This is stupid that it's not on here. What? Uh, Well, it says on December 31st, 2017, which was, you know, not that long ago, a few months ago, Randall set season high with 29 points, 15 rebounds, in a 148-142 to double overtime loss to the Rockets on New Year's Eve. Um, Oh, my gosh. But he just had a career high, like, last night. Dude, give me some friggin'. I mean, an article came out yesterday or today saying that Julius Randle is changing the narrative of his future. This guy has been a beast down low. I wish they would give me his numbers. This really sucks. Here we go. ESPN will have it. Why didn't I go there in the first place? Okay. This year, so if you can remember the numbers I just spit out really terribly and slowly, uh, Julius Randle, this year, okay, so... His best year was 13.2 points a game, 8.6 rebounds per game, and 3.6 assists. Or he had a double-double average for his second season, um, 11.3 points, 10.2 rebounds. This year, holy crap. Okay, his field goal percentage was .48. This year he increased that again by 6%. .48, or so 48%. He's up, actually up 8%. He's shooting 57% this year. That's 6-7% more than before. Or 8. His free throw percentage is about the same. He's rebounding 7.8, assisting 2.5, um, averaging 15.6 points a game. But I think if you look at the numbers, there's not a huge difference. His field goal percentage is higher. Um he plays on a team that is averaging the most points per game in the paint. 
and that's mostly because of him. He's good at taking contact, he pushes guys around, and he gets a lot of and one calls and he makes his foul shots for the most part. I mean, 70, 70% of the time according to the numbers. But this is a guy who's changed his game, his playing style up a lot. I mean, he's always been a bruiser, gets down there, backs guys in, gets gets buckets. But this year he's been even more that. Like, people keep saying he's a bully in the paint. There's, another, there's other other phrases out there for him. He's a bull in a china shop is the one Chauncey Billups uses. I think it should go to him. And I'm going to stick with that just because he's the player that stuck out to my to me in my mind. Um, so I'm just going to go with that. And I'm going to run through these, and we're going to jump into some uh, uh, March Madness brackets. So let's get through these real fast. I'm kind of stumbling over my words at this point. It's going on kind of late. Um, sixth man of the year. In the past, it's been J.R. Smith, Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford, uh, and Eric Gordon. I almost missed the one from last year. Um, sixth man of the year this year. Holy crap. This is tough, man. I don't know. This is tough. I'm going to say Lou Williams again. Lou Williams gets that one rookie of the year. This one's easy. I predicted this one December 15th. So like three months ago, exactly three months ago, almost to the day it's going to be Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. He was unexpected to come into the NBA and perform the way he's performing, for one. he He's an all-star. He made the dunk contest, and he, he won the dunk contest. Um, I'm not even going to look at his numbers because I think if you watch basketball or know about basketball and you pay attention to the rookies, you know he's performing well. Um, I saw him hit a, a buzzer beater shot the other night. Not a game winner, but a buzzer beater at the end of like a shot clock from like 40 feet. Nothing but net. Um, he's the youngest player. He, he reached 153 pointers, the quickest out of any rookie ever. I think is what it was. Something like that. Um, but yeah, he's going to be the rookie of the year. He won player of the month for, uh, December, January and February all in a row. You don't just do that and then not get rookie of the year in my opinion. And the only other person that's in the running for this is Ben Simmons. Um, I'll say Ben Simmons can do all things really well for his size, especially he can shoot, he can rebound, he can pass the ball really well. He's got a good floor vision, kind of like LeBron. Uh, But Donovan Mitchell is just like a pure scorer. And he's got that flashiness that people like uh, in an award-winning player like that. So I'm going to go with Donovan Mitchell. Um, I've got that tweet pinned to to the Abstract Sports profile, I'm pretty sure. Defensive player of the year. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go Joel Embiid. He's getting blocks. Sticking with it. Uh, MVP, James Harden. No question. Rockets are number one seed right now in the West. They're on top of the Warriors. Only team that can give them a run for it. And it's all because of James Harden. All because of James Harden. CP3 going there was a little bit shaky at first. But... I think James Harden is handling the adjustment well, and he's still performing at a very high level. Sticking with it for a while. <clears throat> for a while, I was thinking Kyrie Irving would be MVP, but I'm going to go with James Harden. So there's your uh, NBA award-winning predictions. Holy cow! This is a long episode, guys. <laughs> Moving on. <clears throat> 
Moving on to March Madness. Yeah. <clears throat> I need water. Holy cow. I'm going through water like crazy. No wonder why I had to pee in the middle of the show. All right. <clears throat> Let me bring up my bracket here. Get rid of all these things. <laughs> all right. So up to this point, I have three brackets finished. <clears throat> I have. Let me let me open them up. <laughs> First of all, I do want to say thanks to all the people who have submitted brackets. Holy cow. Ooh man. There's a lot of people in here. We got 20 people who have submitted for the bracket going for the $25. Alice, I don't know if you've submitted one yet. I don't see your name in here. Maybe you, maybe you're the allows or Alon's. Why? Maybe. Let me know if you're not in it. I want you to participate. We got 20 people in the bracket guys. That's awesome. The great thing is that even if you think you're good at predicting games, you're probably not going to win it. <laughs> uh, the most unlikely person is going to win it because it's all up in the air. Um, so shout out to everybody submitting your brackets. You got to get them in before tip off tomorrow. I think the first game I last time I heard it was at 1030 in the morning. So make sure you submit your bracket before then. Um, you can have, I know you can have like multiple brackets and you can shift them around between groups. You just have to have it in the right group by tip off. So get on it. <clears throat> so I've got University of Virginia going on to win two of my three brackets right now. I have Cincinnati going on to win one of the other ones. I Tonight, like I said, I'm going to be going through and just like rattling off brackets like boom, 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 just so I can make sure I've got my 25 entries out there. You know what I mean? The way I see it is if you're, you're missing out on an opportunity if you don't try to do that, you know. 25 chances at getting to win $10,000 in Amazon gift cards and, and getting a trip to Hawaii to go watch um, like an invitational next year. Like, why wouldn't you submit for that? So I'm going to try to hit 25 tonight. It's going to be tough, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, so let me go look at my brackets. <clears throat> There's a lot of things that go into picking these teams. You know, they sure... People who like to stick. Okay, Alice, you are in the bracket. Okay, good. Glad to hear it. Glad you're in it. They're, they do a seeding system for a reason. It's because there's so many teams that are in NCAA basketball and football. They do a seeding system, and they do it based on competition or the teams you play against. That'll adjust your your seeding. Uh, so, like, if you play more difficult teams who have better records you're going to be seated higher if you've succeeded in those situations than not. And so I'm just going to open up my bracket for this challenge. Um, and I'm not going to really say who I picked so that you can't just like go and adjust your bracket to beat me. <laughs> just know that I have Virginia winning. I'm probably not going to get that far. So um, first of all, you look at the seating. Obviously, I don't think there's ever been a 16 seed that up, that has upset a number one seed ever. 
So that one is pretty much a lock. Like you can almost just pick a number one seed over a 16 seed every time and get it right. Um, but if you open up the information thing, it will show you all these different stats and they all play a huge role in determining who's going to win, especially in those closer seeded games. And even not because you can look at the teams they played against and be like, okay, if they beat them, they lost to them. That means these guys are going to beat these guys. So it's like a process of elimination, but on a crazy level, (laughs) that's the best way of describing it. Um, and Alice says her her team name is pronounced All Eonzi. All Eonzi. French for let's go. Okay. I did not know that. I had no idea. <laughs> I was like, All Alonzo? Alonzo? Alons? Now I know. So one of the one of the other rankings that they look at is this thing called RPI rank. That's basically I don't know what it stands for, but it means that they're looking at the comp- the difficulty of schedule that they've had and how well they did against those teams, and they get a ranking. University of Virginia, for example, is ranked number one, um, and uh, UMBC, whoever that is, is ranked number 16. <laughs> what is that team name? University of something, British Columbia? I don't know. It's like their first time in the tournament or something. They had a good record though, 24 and 10. UVA is 31 and 2 though. But the RPI rank is based on their difficulty of schedule. And then you have um, the opponent's points per game, which shows you how high power their offense can be. Um, wait, no, no, I got that wrong. Oppon- opponent points per game. So the lower this is tells you how good the defense is of that team. So for University of Virginia, for example, their opponent's points per game average is 53.4. On average, they're holding their opponents down to 53.4 points. That would explain a lot about why they are 31-2. and Um, And then you have the versus top 25. This is a pretty big one because it kind of goes with the RPI ranking where you're you're talking about them playing against high competition teams or, I mean, some of the better teams in the NCAA. Um, So this is like their record against top 25 teams. UVA is 6-0 and against all top 25 teams they've played. Um, and it goes on later on. If you keep When you open up that information thing, there's a lot of stuff in here you can look into. Like, So the, it usually points out the top teams that they beat. UVA beat North Carolina twice. They beat Duke by two. Duke is a number two team. They beat Clemson twice. Clemson's a number five seed. Uh, they beat Rhode Island by 15. They beat West Virginia. Or no, they lost to West Virginia. That's one of their two losses this year. Uh, West Virginia is a five seed on the opposite side of the bracket too. So they could face each other in theory. Um, and then you have uh, that they beat Miami by nine and they're a six seed. So <clears throat> that's another way you can look at it. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty big one. I take a, I put a lot of weight into the top 25 um, results. Um, oh, Alice is mentioning that Ali Anzi for Let's Go is a Doctor Who reference. Of course you would make a Doctor Who reference in your team and your bracket. That makes sense. It all, it's all coming together now. Um, and then you go on to the BPI rank. This is an ESPN developed ranking, uh, taking into effect a lot of different things. I don't, I don't like to go by this one. It's similar to the RPI, but it's a little different. 
That's the best way I can put it. They take more factors into it. They make their own algorithm and they spit out the results. Um, Moving on to conference play. See, conference play doesn't matter as much. Um, You know, like if you're an ACC team or an SEC team, you know, top conferences in the country, your in-conference play is going to tell you how well they perform against some of the best teams in the country. But not all those teams are top 25 teams. That's why I put more weight on the top 25 uh, win-loss columns. Uh, so, like, UVA is 17-1 in conference play. Doesn't mean much because there's a lot of other really good teams they're going to be going against in their bracket. So, not a lot of weight on that one for me. Points per game, this is more like the offense, how I got it confused earlier, um, how high power their offense is. So UVA, for example, is 67.5, which is pretty standard for a college team. I mean, you know, they only play like 40 minutes, so your score is going to be less than an NBA game by a long shot. Um, And then uh, UMBC is actually averaging 73.6, which is, you know, 6.4 more than UVA. But UVA, remember, holds their opponents down to 53. So you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt, knowing all the information that you take in. Um, And then I also like to look into things like, you know, the last 12 games. It's kind of, this is speaking to their momentum coming into the tournament. Um, Like UVA is 11-1. and They, they, uh, let's see, I'm pretty sure, yeah, they won the ACC, one of the best conferences in the country. Um, They lost one game somewhere in the regular season late earlier on. UMBC is 10 and two. So this just kind of speaks to their momentum. They're coming off of a hot winning streak. They're probably going to keep it going. Um, But then there's so much more than that. Like you can look at like how long of a break have they had since their last game? You know, when you're, when you're, I mean, you can ride a bike all your life, hop back on a bike and know how to do it, but there's still some you're still knocking off the rust. Like, you know, when you hop on a bike for the first time in like four years, for example, people always say, Oh, it's like riding a bike because it's like, Oh, you can pick up on it really quickly. This is kind of like riding a bike, but you're out of practice you're, you're, you haven't competed in a game for X amount of time. Your body may not be as prepared as it usually is in the regular season. Cause you're not regularly playing. Um, you're going up against teams you haven't seen before. You're playing on a neutral court, probably. Um, some some teams will have a home court advantage because the arena is closer to their uh, university or college. But generally speaking, it's a neutral court, um, and home court advantage has a huge play in who wins a game, uh, especially in basketball, in my opinion, and hockey. Um, not so much in soccer and football. Uh, football maybe, but basketball, hockey for sure. So I like to look at momentum top 25 teams that they've beat um, and the ones they've lost to is also an important thing. And I also, uh, the RPI rank overall, I think that one's pretty important. But opponents' points per game, when when they have a low opponents' points per game and a high points per game average, it shows you they're really good on both ends of the floor. So that is sort of my way <laughs> Brad on Facebook says, you won't talk me out of my picks. <laughs> no, that's fine. Everybody has their way of doing it. And 
the thing about it is it's so unpredictable. Like this might be the year that a 16 seed beats a one seed or maybe Seton Hall is going to go on to win just because that one mentalist predicted it on that show with Jalen Rose and Greeny. Like, (laughs) I don't know if you guys saw that, but this mentalist, he basically, he had Jalen Rose write who he thinks is going to win and put down a score. And he had Greeny plug his ears and he's like, you're going to hear a voice in your head. um, And I want you to tell me what he picked. And, you know, Jalen Rose wrote it down on the spot. He picked a team that's not even a number one seed and gave it a crazy score. He said, Seton Hall's going to win 80 to 73. And Greeny, he's like, hey, you're going to hear a voice in your your head. Now tell me what it's saying. Who do you think Jalen Rose is going to win? He's like, I don't know, Seton Hall by something like 80 to 73. And it was exactly what Jalen Rose wrote down. (laughs) How crazy is that? Uh, But anyways... It's just so, this is like one of the coolest things in sports, March Madness, because it it speaks to all the things that can go right and that can go wrong in in one particular sporting game, or sporting match, I should say. Sports match game ball. Um, Because, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you only, if you lose, you're out. That's it. Your season's over. You have one game against this team you may have never seen before, and you better perform. And the team that executes is the team that's going to win, and you move on. (laughs) So it could, you know, UVA could go against UMBC and have the shittiest game of their season, and UMBC could either win or lose. And if they win, it's going to be like history-breaking, history-record-breaking. It's going to be in the history books. That would be so cool. Man, but that, uh, that's not, and I haven't even mentioned the individual talents on these teams. Like Arizona, the number four seed has a guy, what's his name, Andre Ayton? Is that how you say his name? Let me go find it real fast. Powered by freshman phenom and future NBA lottery pick, DeAndre Ayton, averaging a double-double. Like, he is a beast. Have you seen this guy? He's huge. He's like a man amongst boys, and he's a freshman. You kidding me? My goodness. Arizona's going to do well, but not that well. Plus, they're a scandalous team. I don't want them to win. They do things the wrong way in Arizona. So, just the unpredictability of it all in the March Madness bracket is insane to me, and that's why it's so fun to follow. And the fact that it happens right after my birthday is kind of like a a little birthday present to little old me because I love basketball. I may not know not about I may not know a lot about college basketball, but just the sport in general, I could talk about it all day long, as I have today. And on that note, I look forward to seeing how your brackets turn out in the Abstract Sports 2018 group. All 20 of us. Um, if you are listening out there and you hear this before somehow tomorrow before the March Madness tournament tips off, hurry over to ESPN Tournament Bracket Challenge, search for Abstract Sports 2018 and submit a bracket to the group. If you win, you will be getting a $25 Amazon gift card. Yeah. That that could buy all kinds of things on Amazon. Stick it in there. Buy some toilet toilet paper for yourself later on. 
You can do whatever you want. It's Amazon. So shout out to all 20 people who submitted brackets. Best of luck to you. Um, I, <laughs> I'm, I kind of want to go in and just when, when, when the brackets are open, when the tournament starts tomorrow, I just want to go in and make fun of all of you for all the picks you made. I want to go in and predict who's going to get kicked out when or whose bracket's going to get busted first. <laughs> I think that could be pretty fun, actually. Um, so we got 20 people. That's some, some good stuff. Only one person can take home the $25. Um, no matter where you are, if you're on Facebook or SoundCloud or iTunes or YouTube, wherever you listen to this podcast or watch it, Please find us on your favorite outlets. We are on Facebook, obviously. We're doing this live on Facebook every Wednesday, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, facebook.com slash abstract sports. You find you can look for abstract sports on your favorite outlet, whether it's Instagram, Twitter. We are on Snapchat, but it's relatively inactive. Um, you've got SoundCloud, iTunes, Oh man, Twitter. I don't know if I mentioned Twitter already. You can find us everywhere, guys. Uh, so if you haven't followed or subscribed anywhere, go and do it. We're putting out different news on every single channel. Um, you know, Twitter, it's really easy to share things that I see. So you get a whole different news source that way. Um, or you can see more picture based content on Instagram. Um, but on abstractsports.com, you can always um, read up on our latest articles. You can find our episodes for the podcast there. Uh, video and audio um, both at the same time on YouTube. That's what we use on there. So, And beyond that, uh, I want to say thanks to everybody who tuned in for the episode today. Um, I really do appreciate all the support that we've got over the, the last year. You know, this, this podcast has been going since November of last year, or November 2016, I should say, so a little over a year. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. Uh, more like early 2017 is when we got started. I think it's like January or February. So thank you to everybody for all the support. If you are interested in supporting abstract sports as more than a viewer, listener, or reader, um, I encourage you to go to abstractsports.com slash support. Um, basically, um, I'm encouraging our viewers and our supporters to make donations to abstract sports to help keep the resources that we provide the show to you free. Uh, so for example, SoundCloud, we have an annual membership fee that we pay there. Um, it's coming up in about a week. And so all donations are going to be going to that because that's our main way of distributing our content to our listeners, our readers, and our viewers is via SoundCloud. So um, we've set a goal. Let me actually go pull it up on the website really fast. Um, Again, all the money goes to support the fees that it takes for us to make the show possible and to keep the website online. Uh, so right now we are $25 towards our goal of 150. That 150 will keep the podcast up for a year on SoundCloud and all the other third-party outlets that pick it up, like uh, iTunes and TuneIn, like your Alexa, things like that. Um, and the rest of that money goes to keeping the website live uh, for the next year. So. I encourage you to make a donation. If not, that's totally fine. Just keep showing up for the podcast. Tune into the episodes and uh, uh, drop some comments, get involved in the discussion. And I hope that it's uh, um, all very uh, fun for you guys, um, at least as fun as it is for me. I mean, I wouldn't be 
sacrificing my voice for an hour and 45 minutes for you guys if I didn't enjoy it. Trust me. <laughs> um, and Brad, Brad on Facebook says, yeah, money goes towards water too. Yes. <laughs> no, actually the water is provided by my employer. Shout out to Man Wearing Web Solutions for, for supplying me with some water to keep my voice alive and well through, through this long show. Um, and more to come with that too. I think there's a project I'm going to be sort of supporting and advertising here on the show. Um, I just got to find the right time to do it and uh, I'm going to make it happen. So that is all I've got for you guys today. Thanks a bunch for tuning into the Abstract Sports Podcast, episode 42. We'll see you next Wednesday. Have a good night, guys.